Well, good evening. We are back. Bible study live in house and online. So good to have you with us. And those of you who've already tuned in, please like, comment and share, share, share. Let everybody know we are back. Let's take this time to uh, bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. God, we honor you for all that you are and all that you mean to us personally, God. Thank you for bringing us into another year, God. Thank you for carrying us through. Thank you for all the things we've learned in Bible study in 2021 and that will give us strength to move into 2022. And God, and we're looking to uh, be better this year than we were last year. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, God, illuminate my uh, mind and my lips illuminate the ears of the hearer and the hearts of the listener. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, Ja'Kayla and Kevin Benford and Trish and uh, Althea and Ella and Michael and uh, Ruby. I'm not for sure all I've seen on here, but just good evening to you all. So let's just jump right in. And we were uh, discussing this on Sunday is the idea of new, just the simple idea of new. So what what does new mean? What does it mean to us? Uh, new year means a lot of things for a lot of people. For a lot of people, it means resolutions. It uh, it has a lot of things that it means when you when you tag new year to something. A new car could mean new payments. A new home could mean moving, adjusting a new job. It can mean change. New means a lot of things in a lot of different scenarios. But for us, as it relates to a brand new year, specifically with the type of years that the decade has started off with, then uh, new could not be hopeful for some. It could be hopeful for others. And our focus is not to get caught up in the calendar new, but understand the spirituality of new, that new could break for us in any moment. So we were looking at that. So let's look at uh, a definitive a definition of that. And that would be not existing before, something not existing before. It's introduced, discovered recently, or now for the first time. Let's do that again. Not existing before, introduced, discovered recently, or now for the first time. All of those are ideas and aspects of new, which is not, uh, uh, ironically, no pun intended, it's not a new concept. New is not a new concept for us. But I think the importance for us, Deliverance Temple, is to understand that for us, new is very important because of what we've been through, that we very well may be on the cusp of a breakthrough. So how we handle new, how we move into new is vitally important because we are understanding that many times the challenges prepare us for the new. So if you aren't prepared when the new comes, that means you didn't allow the challenge to build you to the point where you need to be. And so that often means you have to face more challenges, which is not necessarily what we want to do. Not, not to say that we won't have any challenges, but we would rather have new challenges for new seasons. We don't want to have to go back to old challenges. So having said that, let's, uh, let's look at this first scripture. And the first scripture is 
a portion of a scripture. It's Isaiah 43. It's the A clause or the very first part of the clause. Um, I, I've explained this before, but I think I, I'd like to point it out again. When, whenever I am putting scriptures on the screen and I am uh, breaking them up from where they are intended, I will usually put an A, B, or C, and I'll always put three dots so that you understand that I'm not changing the scripture. So when you look in your Bible at Isaiah 43, it's not going to look like that because I'm only taking a portion of it. But the three dots at the end instead of a regular period, that lets you know that something is being changed. And also the, the reference of the verse will have a, a letter beside it. So many of you probably have caught that by now that I do that. But I always want you to understand that I'm teaching you the word. I'm not changing and adjusting the word. But many times I want to point things out. So in this particular uh, passage, what jumped out to me was two powerful things. The first was, but now, and the next was, this is what the Lord says. And when I looked at that together, first of all, I got stuck on that, but now, because it reminded me of, but God, which I really, really enjoy. I really enjoy discussing, but God's how God will butt in and change things. And, and the idea of the word, but the conjunctive word, but it's so powerful because it has a way of canceling out what is previous it uh, and usually joins what's previous but but has a way of canceling out so in in some of my study that I'd done I uh, recognized that Isaiah 42 which is the previous chapter it actually had a lot of rebuke in it and uh, God was rebuking them but then he comes to this part of the scripture and says but now Almost as if to suggest, yeah, I just got on your case, but now, if you would do something now, it will take us beyond the rebuke and the challenge, and it'll position us for something else. So one thing that we know, even in the Old Testament, where we see God being a little more authoritative and forceful, he always leaves his children with something to look for future. Now, uh, many of the times it was pointing toward Christ. Now, we in the New Testament, we're looking back at Christ. So when we go to the Old Testament, we always know that there was something that God was pointing to. And we usually know what it is because we're living in it. We're living in the age where Christ has died, already died. They were living in the age where they didn't know when the Messiah would come, what it would be like. So... For us who look back at the Old Testament, it's good for us to slow down and see what is God pointing to. So let's go back. But now this is what the Lord says. And so one of the things that jumped out to me is that the word of God, the new fresh word of God, a fresh revelation has a way of butting into your now, your present, and it can shift the past to the point of erasing the past. When I say erasing the past, I'm not uh, suggesting that the past just goes away and disappears. But the past, the power that the past has over you, your past, the penalty that the past has over you. Many times when you have a past, there are consequences that come with the past. But when God says, but now he's shifting you into something new and he's letting you know that in this present moment, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. In this present present moment, if you would latch on to the word that I have for you, 
it is going to mitigate your past and only allow your past to be something to prop you up for your future. And that's great news for us because many of us have past that could weigh us down if we would look at it and focus on it. But if we would instead focus on the but now, this is what the Lord says. So what that does in this particular verse, it makes us really eager to figure out what the Lord is saying. So what is going to come after that? Now, of course, when you're reading the entire scripture, you can read through it really fast. But I like to read scriptures, not just verse by verse, but sometimes sentence by sentence, because there's something usually building up. There's a lot of revelation when you slow down. It's not always about quantity. It's about quality when you're studying the word of God. So this is what we put up for that. We put up the idea of now embrace this word. So what was the but now? And the but now is this is what the Lord says. So in order to mitigate what's before, what's in the past, in order to make sense of 2021, we have to have a but now that the focus of 2022 is, God, what is the word of the Lord? And what is the word of the Lord initially? So uh, I've talked to you guys before about the law of first mention which is a powerful theological principle about, about when God mentions something for the first time, it sets things up for the future of how that word should be interpreted or how it should be seen. So when you come to a new year, that first word that you hear is vitally important in setting you up for what God wants you to know that's going to help you for the rest of the year. So what is the word that we are trying to embrace? So now embrace this word. And because of that, we're going to read the verse in its entirety. But now this is what the Lord says. And here, here's the key. Even, uh, I believe this is the English standard version I'm using. Even the English standard version uses a dash to show you that what is coming after that dash is important. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Of course, uh, on Sunday, I focused on the you are mine, but let's, since this is our Bible study and we, we take a little more time, let's look at a few things. One of the things I want to look at are the quotation marks. The quotation marks are showing us that's the portion that God is saying. But there's some few things before that, that's after the dash. It says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. So the writer Isaiah is saying, this is what the Lord is going to say. And I'm going to put that in quotation marks. But before you read that, I want you to know it is being spoken by the one who created you, by the one who formed you. And the reason why that's important for us to latch onto and to grab is because Oftentimes in our challenges, in our embracing new or embracing whatever, sometimes we forget the overall plan of God, that not only is God helping you for 2022, you have to be reminded that before you were ever born, God had a plan for you. And in our past, sometimes we can get off of the path. We can allow our past to get us off of the path. But when God brings a but God or but now, he can supernaturally place you back 
on the path if we would listen to his word. The reason why that's vitally important is because when we dwell so much on the past, a lot of times what we think of and what we realize is, man, it's going to take me a long time to get back to where I need to be. And many times that is true if you are only looking at the natural. But as I go back to the scripture, if you look at it from the fact that this is the one who created you, this is the one who formed you. So in other words, we are going all the way back to the manufacturer. If anybody can fix it and put me in a supernatural speed up, catch up moment that'll position me for what's new, the creator of the universe can do that. Those people who have uh, what we call hoopties, you can take a hoopty to anybody to get it fixed. But once you start dealing with luxury cars, you need to go to the manufacturer because the regular jack leg mechanic doesn't know the way it was originally intended to operate. So the higher you go up in car, the more you realize I have to go to the dealer. I don't even want to go to the dealer because I know it's going to be expensive. But even the jack leg mechanics, the real ones will tell you, I can't work on this. You, you got to take that back to them. You got to go back to the source. But here's the thing. This scripture let us know the source is speaking directly to us. And because of that, it gives us a but now. It can alter anything. So know that when you get ready to embrace new, don't think, oh, man, I can't do it. I, I can't fix it. No, think this. The creator is getting ready to speak, and that makes all the difference. So let's look at what's in the quotations. Here's the first thing that is said. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. I said that three times. I'm going to say it six more times for a total of nine times for uh, some impact. And I'll explain to you why. So do not fear one, do not fear two, do not fear three, do not fear four, do not fear five, do not fear six. I said it six times. I said it three times before that. Break that, that up for you in a, a couple ways. Number one, the number six represents the number of man. In our humanness, it's easy to fear. However, there is two major numbers that represent God. Number one is the number seven. A lot of people know that. But another one is the number three because it represents the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In man, it's easy to fear. But if you recognize who's talking to you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, it's easy for you to do those three things. Do not fear. It becomes a choice. I choose not to fear. I choose not to allow fear to uh, happen to me, to grip me. If you even look at the topic that we're talking about, N-E-W, it's a three-letter uh, three word. So focus on that. This three is the triune God is saying, I got you. And then here's the reason why. It doesn't say do not fear because you don't have any reason to fear. I just pointed out to you that six is the number of man in our humanness we can fear. But the reason why you don't have to fear is what it says next. For I have redeemed you. Redemption is really a financial term. It really means he's bought us back. He's paid a price. So he's saying at the end of the day, 
I know there's some stuff in your past, but don't fear because I took care of that. I pay for it all. And so since I pay for it all, all you have to do is not fear and embrace the word that I'm sharing with you. Embrace what I want you to understand, and that's going to help you moving forward. So do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. In other words, summon means to call you. I have called you by my name. It reminds me of something that, that happened to me that for me is the kind of the anchor of who I have become and am becoming, anchor of my ministry. So I, I came home from school, came home from college, and I told my dad a little bit, but uh, I was on a three-month hiatus, and I was telling him, I don't think I'm going back. I think God's calling me to ministry. And my dad didn't really say a whole lot another, other than that. He said, God showed me that he was dealing with you when you were in school. Didn't give me a whole lot of information, but a whole lot of my family and either other people around did not know what I was doing or didn't really agree. But I had time to figure it out. I had three months before I had to be back at school. And so I was kind of un, I was kind of wavering myself. I didn't know, but I knew God was doing something with me. So I remember walking in my parents' room, I mean, house passing from their room. I was coming through the living room, got into the kitchen. And when I stepped into what we call the den of the family room, God spoke to me so clearly, not audible, but it was in here and went off on me like a shotgun. And I heard this and I've never written it down, but I've it been committed to me, to my memory from that day on. But I heard this, I've called you by my name to establish my word for such a time as this, so stand and see the salvation of God. I heard those four things go off. But the first thing that grabbed me was I've called you by my name. Then the next thing was to establish my word for such a time as this. So stand and see the salvation of God. It was from that moment that I made up in my mind. I'm not, not for sure what I'm doing with school, but I'm going to pursue trying to be your minister. And then I start going down that path and eventually People got on board then when they realized that I, I wasn't <laughs> changing. But I felt that, that, that God is calling me. He's summoned me. In other words, he's saying, I'm interrupting everything that you got planned, and I'm calling you right now for something. Now we see what that something is, and, and many things have happened since then. But this, let's, let's put that back up in uh in a huge way. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. In other words, I've purchased you, but I have summoned you by name. In other words, I've called you out. I've picked you out. I've called you out, Ella. I've called you out, Althea. I've called you out, John. I've called you out, Regina. I mean, I've called you by name. I've summoned you. And when you've been summoned by God and God has purchased you, it's like being called by the king. There is no backing out of it. God has called you. So here's the, the thing. What he tells you when he calls you is vitally important. Now, uh, in the scripture, Esther had something similar. But what she understood is that when the king called her, that uh, it was very important what would, hap what would happen. She said 
that like if I was to go before him without being summoned, I could die. But she said, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to go before the king. And God gave her favor with the king. But God used some really strong kingly term. I've summoned you by my name. I've called you before an audience of one. Now, when I was growing up and my father would call me and say, Andre, come here. I didn't know if that was good or bad. I didn't know if I was going to the den of death or the den of life. But that forceful, uh, that forceful way he called me knew I was coming to find out something. And in this particular verse, it says, I've summoned you by name. And this is what he tells us when he summoned us. You are mine. What a load off of our shoulders to know in this new year. The major reason why God is saying, don't fear. Number one, I've redeemed you. Number two, I've called you by my name, but I'm calling you. I've called you by your name and I'm calling you according to my name, but I'm only calling you to let you know you belong to me. You are mine. Now, I, I've done this, this joke with my children where I've yelled from downstairs to them upstairs. And I've said, Draylen, get down here right now with force. And he comes down looking scary, trembling. You can see there's all kinds of stuff running through his head. He don't know what he's done that I done found out about. And then when he gets there, I say, you come, you stand before me right now. And when he stands before me, I hug him and say, I'm proud of you. And he's like, oh, oh my goodness, you scared me. I was like, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. But this is very similar. God is calling us, but then to let us know, hey, you are mine. I, I know what 2020 has done to you and 2021 has done to you. And I know there's, there's, there's things on the horizon for 2022 that could scare you, but don't fear. I got you. You are mine. And so that brings us to this point to understand that God is not ever wavering when it comes to us. Now, we oftentimes are wavering as it relates to God, but God isn't wavering as it relates to us. And here's one of the reasons why, not because just we're so good, is the fact that he paid for us. He bought us with a price. So he stuck with us. So for him, for his investment, it makes more sense for him to pour his love into us than it does for him to kick us out. Sometimes in church they preach that God is always ready to kick us out, throw lightning bolts at us. But if he does that, then what he invested, which was the blood of his own son, then he wastes such a high price. So the scripture says he's not willing for any to perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Why? Because he paid for us. So he would rather let us know that we belong to him than he would to have to kick us out. So this is a time for celebration because we're understanding that God is not ever wavering when it comes to us. He's not ever wavering. So first, now embrace his word. What word? That God is not ever wavering. He's committed to us. And because he's committed to us, then what that means is that circumstances and situations, even though they may waver around us, that doesn't change the commitment of God. And one of the things that these last years should have taught us is that we can go through hard things. We can go through rough times and still depend on God because God is still committed to us. 
when you are immature in God, you assume that anytime I'm going through trials, God is mad at me. But many times it's not that God is mad at us. It is that God is allowing situations of life that are coming on everybody. Everybody's going through something, but he's allowing them things to shape us. But in the midst of those things shaping us, and many times in order to shape us, they have to break us because they're shaping us and they're making us and we're being broken sometimes over and over again. We're being broken through our trials, but God is letting us know you are mine. So if I allow you to be broken, I'm going to build you back better. Right now in Congress, there's something that they're arguing and fighting over called the Build Back Better plan, where they're trying to have trillions of dollars into infrastructure. Well, that's not the first time that that's been happening. God has invested the blood of his own son in us to build us back better. And so how could we ever be built back better if he'd never allow something to tear us down? But he doesn't allow it to tear us down to destroy us, but it's only to build us back better because we belong to God. You are mine. I am his. Somebody just type that. Say, I am his. I actually, I think I'm going to type it differently. I'm going to type you are mine, but you just type I am his. That's a declaration. You are mine. I hear God saying that. You are mine. All right. So because of that, let's move into these next verses. Isaiah 43, 2. All this is in chapter 2. I mean, excuse me. All this is in verse 2, but I just broke it up because the way I wanted to teach it on Sunday When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. These are powerful promises that we can hang our hat on, that we can be Um, extremely excited about. However, there is something in there that if we don't, uh, if we don't grab it properly could actually scare us. But remember, he says, do not fear. The very first thing that was out of the word when it says, listen, uh, but now this is what the Lord says. The very first words was do not fear. So in here, in his words, there is something that could make us afraid. And and let's look back at it for a second. Uh, 43.2c, at that beginning, it says when. Uh, 43.2b, it says and when. 43.2a says when. So what's a little scary about that, it doesn't say if. It says when. So God is almost guaranteeing us, and let's run through it again, guaranteeing us that we're going to pass through the waters, but he's also guaranteeing us that he will be with us. He's guaranteeing us that we would pass through the rivers, but he's also guaranteeing us that we won't drown in them. He's guaranteeing us that we will go through the fire, but he's also guaranteeing us that we will not be burned. So there's a lot of things that we could fear about, but the reason why we don't have to fear 
because he's in it with us. And that makes all the difference. Now, in looking at that, I was thinking of uh, two things. Like, it first talks about waters, and then it talks about rivers. And so, like, what's the difference between waters and rivers? It's like, to me, that's the same uh, trial. But it, it's a little different because when you think of, of waters, like, especially rainwaters, rainwaters can turn into floodwaters, and they could cause uh, a lot of trouble. Uh, but you have to be in that place for a period of time for it to actually cause you a lot of trouble. So when tornadoes are headed uh, away or hurricanes, excuse me, probably a better way to say it, hurricanes are headed uh, like to the coast, they always say evacuate. Because waters, you can sometimes run away from waters. But rivers are different. When you get into rivers, rivers have a current that can sweep you. And when you get into a river, the reason why people get into the river is because they think that they can handle the river. Whether they're in a boat, whether they're fishing, swimming, they go into the river purposely, but then the river has a way of taking them away or sweeping them away. Um, even in White River, which is very shallow in spots where you can literally walk across it, but there's also very deep pockets that people can't see. They do some Navy uh, SEAL training in some of our white rivers because there were certain pockets that were so deep that couldn't be seen. So rivers are a little different than waters. But the promise in the rivers is like you're not going to drown in it. It may pull you. The current may push you in directions you don't want to go or that you didn't expect. We've all got into situations that we thought we could handle, and the next thing you know, we were overwhelmed by it. But remember when I preached not too long after my dad passed, overwhelmed but not overpowered because we know who we have with us. So that gives us something to embrace. We are embracing the word that God is not ever wavering uh, to us because he's always in the situation with us. And then, of course, fire shows us that highest level of being uh, burned up and consumed. And we always have the three Hebrew boys to look at that where they walked literally into the fire and the fire had no authority, no power over them. And Jesus shows up in the fire. So all these are signs that we will go through. If the last years have taught us anything, we're not exempt from going through, but we do know who we are going through with. And it does something to our psyche it makes us understand that I can handle it. Um, An example of that is the, the uh, they call it the racers at Kings Island Amusement Park, the red and blue racers, a roller coaster. The first roller coaster I went on, of course, when I first seen it, I was scared, but I was with my father. So even though I was scared, I felt protected. I wanted to ride it, but I was fearful. I believe maybe he had talked me into it. And I remember on that very first hill, I flew up. My butt was literally off the seat. He grabbed me and pulled me back down. The fact that he was with me through it changed that roller coaster from being something that I was scared of to being something that I enjoyed to the point I couldn't wait to take my sons on it because it reminded me of the fact that my father took me on it. So the point I'm making is there are things that are going to look too challenging for you, but when you go through it with your father, then you say, shoot, I can go through it by myself. 
I can handle that. I, that that's, that's water I'm not worried about. That's rivers I'm not worried about. That's fire I'm not worried about. And then you're able to take the next person through it because you understand that God gave me confidence. When he went with, through it with me, he gave me confidence. And there's some stuff I don't have to have God to come down and walk me through it. I can handle this. I've been there. I've seen this. And actually, I kind of enjoy this. There's some stuff that the devil has thrown at me that I kind of enjoy because I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know how to do this. I know how to overcome this by faith. I know how to make this happen. I don't need to fast and pray and cry and call the whole church. God taught me in the challenge. He taught me how to do this. So I know what to do. And hopefully we are looking at 2022 like that. Oh man, I, I know how to handle this because of what we've come through. All right, let's, let's go back to another verse. Let's another verse that I broke up. Isaiah 43, five, do not be afraid for I am with you. So remember this principle. God is never obligated to repeat himself. It's our job to catch it the first time because he's God. He often will, but also because he's God, when he repeats himself, he's not repeating himself just for sake. His repetition is to drive home a point. So at first, the very first part in his words was do not fear, but then he takes us through all the things he's going to be with us in. And then he goes back and says, do not be afraid for I am with you. So he puts it together for us. First, he says, do not fear. Number one, because I've redeemed you, summoned you by name and you are mine. Then he talks about all the things that he would go through with us. And then he says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Put the two together. The reason why I am with you is because you are mine. In other words, we are attached together. I am in you and you are in me. So when I first told you, do not fear, you may have thought that you were going to not have to fear. But what I was really saying is you're not going to have to fear because I am with you. I am here. In other words, when someone says, uh, do not fear. We normally think that's a task that we have to muster enough courage, faith, and strength so we don't fear. Man, I don't want to fear. I don't want to fear. But God is saying, this is not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you don't have to fear because I'm here. So I got this. See, there's some stuff that I would have been afraid of. Let, let, let's give you this example. When you walk outside and it's pitch black, there might be some fear that, okay, I don't know what's happening because I really can't see. There's times that you can see and there's times where you can't see nothing. It's like, that's why they call it pitch black. So there, every, every now and then when I'm at my mom, mom's house, it's like that. It, it, it can get uh, dark like that, especially if there's something going on with the street lights. So that sometimes they're out or something. I remember one time when actually all, all things were out and it was really, really dark. But another thing I know about my, my mother's house, if you get anywhere close to the side, like the sidewalk, there's a motion sensor light that will immediately come on. So when I'm in her driveway, it's only within a few steps I've got to make before I know the light's going to come on. So I may not be able to see myself, may not be able to see, and I may 
be tempted to fear, but I don't have to worry about fear. And all I got to do is take a few steps. The light's going to come on. Then I can see everything. God is saying the same thing. I'm right here. You don't have to fear because I'm right here. All you got to do is take a step toward me. I'm right here. I'm not far. It's not like you're going to have to fast for 21 days in order to not fear. Now, there are certain trials you go through that God asks you to muster the courage not to fear. But this is not what he's talking about. He's saying, don't be afraid because I'm actually in, in it with you. I'm, I'm, actually, I know the temptation. I know the trial. I know it all. I'm right here. I got you. That comforting word, what that does, that gives us newness to feel like, okay, whatever we face in 2022, we can do it together because we are with God. God is with us. So that's going to help us to understand this in uh, the same context, not ever worry. We do not have to worry. So let's read the, the verse in its fullness. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east, gather you from the west. Verse 6, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. All right, let me, let me give you a chance to... Uh, share again and comment and like and all that while I give you a little context of that. So Isaiah is written under the time of the exile, the exile of Babylon, where they had messed up so bad that they end up being uh, taken. The children of Israel were taken to actual Babylon and they were no longer had their own nation. They were under the rule of Babylon. But there was always a promise that I will bring you guys back home. And so Isaiah had rebuked them in 42 and through the word of God rebuked them for where they were, where they had gotten off. But there was always in all the prophets they would start pointing to there's still coming a time where you will be brought home. You will be returned. In other words, what you've been living in under because of your own sin for 70 years, it's not final. That's something that we always have to re remember. Even when it's our fault, failure is not final because God is with us. He's always working on a plan. Now, sometimes we mess things up and we can cause consequences to delay things, but delay is never denial. God is always working on the plan to fulfill his word because it's not really about you. It's about his word. His word must prevail. His word must stand. And if he said you are delivered, deliverance temple, you will be delivered. Now, you may go through something, but at the end of the day, you will have your deliverance. So you just have to trust God. And so God began to give them details. I'm going to bring restoration. I'm going to bring your children back. I'm, I'm, I'm putting things back together. Even when things are scattered and broken, I'll put the pieces back together. Even when the pandemic has ravaged through things, I will put it back together. You just have to trust me. And so the new word that we understand is we're not going to worry. Let's worry is not going to help us any bit. We're not going to worry and we're not going to waver because God's not waving toward us. That's the word we're going to embrace. And that's going to push us into what we need to understand. Let's uh, look a little deeper. Let's look at verse eight. 
It says, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. I, I like this as well, and it, uh, it, you, you see it in the previous chapter as well. They were rebuked for being deaf and blind because they should have seen this coming. The, the prophet Jeremiah kept prophesying to them, listen, if we do not adjust and change, we will end up in exile. Another nation will rule over us. And they were like, no, that's not going to happen. And so they were rebuked for their blindness. But then God says in verse 8, and we'll put it up again, lead those out who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. God says, I'm so good and my mercy is so great. I'm even going to lead those who should see but don't, who should hear but aren't hearing. And the scripture says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. That means it is your job to hear. But there comes certain times where God trumps everything and says, I'm so committed to you that even when you should be hearing and you're not hearing, I'm going to make sure somebody leads you out. Doesn't say, I'm going to put it back up. It doesn't say that he will do it. It just says, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. What that brings me to understand or uh, think is that those of us who God has strengthened, he didn't strengthen us just for our own strength. He strengthened us because he's so merciful. He wants us to go and grab somebody who should have seen and grab somebody who should have heard because we have embraced this word and we've understood it, but we don't understood it just so we can be like, oh, we are the best saints. No, we understood it because God is sending us back to help him grab people. And many times because of people's failure and because they assume their failure is final, they don't receive God when he comes. Like, I'll give you an example. There are people who haven't been in church in a while. They come to church. They feel the touch of God and they get ashamed and they don't come back. And I'm like, what, what happened? You came. It's like, when I came, I felt God and I felt him on me. And, and, and it scared me because I know I haven't been doing right. So sometimes God is handicapped by his own power because people feel his power and they start being scared of him. Even in the scripture, when God would show visions, even when he would send angels down, they would always, people would get scared and the angel would say, fear not. So many times God has to send humans to reach other humans. So when we embrace this word and we understand God isn't wavering and that we are his and he is with us, we understand he wasn't with us just for nothing. He's with us to build us up so we can grab people so they can be with him, so they can learn that he's with them too. They just don't know it or they've forgotten it or they think they've uh, fallen too far or they think they've sinned too much. That's the message that we have. But how can we teach a message if we don't know it ourselves, how can we lead the blind out? If we're blind, the scripture says the blind can't lead the blind. So we have to have sight. We have to have hearing so that we can help God. Why? Because God is withholding his wrath, his judgment until enough people can get into the proverbial ark. Like we've seen in Noah's time, only eight of them were saved at that time. 
but the door is open so we can get as many people in before the door, door closes and before the wrath of God comes on the earth and humanity. So we are tasked with a great job to lift up the name of Jesus so that the light can shine and people can come in. And when people stop coming in, we go get them. We grab them. We help them. God has given us a great uh, assignment. So let's look at this next verse that show, show you that I'm not off, that I'm really showing you the truth. It says, you are my what? Witnesses, declare the Lord. We are ambassadors for God. We are witnesses for God. We are who God wants to use. So he's trying to let us know, I'm called you by your name and I've called you by my name so that you can understand I'm with you. I got you. Actually, what you went through was to develop the ministry in you. The mess was to help the message. The test was to help the testimony. But now you need to be a witness of me and you got to go tell somebody else. Go and tell somebody. That's the whole idea. That is not really, we really got it mixed up. We think witnessing is, hey, come to my church so you can hear my pastor preach because my pastor can preach. That's not really the goal. The scripture says that the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints. So the saints do the work of the ministry. Really, I'm supposed to be preaching to you so that you can preach to them. That's really the way it was designed. It's not that God can't give me evangelistic message that when you bring someone to church that my words will help convict. But really, you are the witness. I'm training you to get them. And then once you get them, it's my job through the anointing that I have to make them understand that this is something they should continue to do. But many times we won't go out and get. We won't witness. We think salvation is just for us to barely make it in. I mean, you can do that, but but how about you grab some people with you? How about you stand on top of the trials and declare God is a good God instead of being under the trial and saying, oh, I barely made it in. I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Yeah, there is seasons to do that, but you should have a whole lot more seasons where you're standing up telling people about how good God has been even in the water, even in the rivers, even in the fire, I came forth and I'm here to let you know a God that will be with you. 2020 and 2021 is not for you to go shrink in a corner. It was for you to realize, well, shoot, there ain't hardly nothing I can't go through with God on my side. And I'm going to make the devil mad because I'm going to tell other folk that. And that's why you are at Bible study so you can learn more about the Bible. I'm pouring my heart into you so you can understand it and you can tell somebody else. Why? Because you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. No God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Brings us to this point. No one else is worthy. No one else is worthy for us to go and talk about. Now, we will run and talk about everything. We'll talk about a new person, new car. We'll talk about a new restaurant. But no one else is worthy of us worshiping and celebrating and telling the world but God let's continue Isaiah 43 11 I even I am the Lord and apart from me there is no savior I drop already all the way down to verse 25 I even I 
am he who blots out your transgression, your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. And also that brings us to this point. No one else was willing. One of the reasons why we want to tell the world about God, because in our life, no one else was willing to put up with us like God was to pay for our sins ahead of time and then tell us not to sin and still help us clean us and wash us up when we do sin, pick us up, go through the waters with us. Now, why does God need to go through the water? Why does God need to go through the rivers? Why does God need to go through the fire? He doesn't, but he does it for us. So you realize no one else was willing. So if no one else is willing and no one else is worthy, then I'm going to refocus and make sure I put the right things on the right things. In other words, I'm going to prioritize. In New Year's, people normally try to prioritize but by February, they didn't forgot a lot of that stuff. They call it New Year's resolution. But for us, the top of every year, the top of every month, the top of every week, and the top of every day, even down to the top of every hour, minute, and second, we need to realize no one else is worthy and no one else is willing to be with us. So our focus should be always to prioritize God. Now, when you take it all the way down to the second, we're human. We're not always prioritizing God every second. But we shouldn't be so bad that we're waiting to every new year to prioritize God. At some point, we ought to figure it out how to get that a lot lower than years to at least every week. And that's why some people make sure that they tune in on Sunday morning or come to the building. They're saying, I got to get God in this week. Then there's other people said, I don't just want Sunday. I want Sunday and Wednesday because they're taking it more than just a week. I'm bringing it down to I need God on each day. And the more you understand that, that's why the first part of our vision statement is connect with our creator continually because no one else is worthy. But also no one else is willing. Even your spouse gets sick of you. Your best friend, the one you love, 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 love gets tired of you. And God, when he should be through with us. He always doubled down and gives us another chance. And so that always gives us a reason to look forward to the new because we've got God. So having said that, uh, those of you who've seen it on Sunday also recognize it again that each one of these times what I was doing was actually spelling out new. Now, of course, now embrace this word. You have that extra T with this, but it still has the same uh idea of new now embrace this word not ever wavering not ever worry no one else worthy no one else willing equals new so how do we walk into that we do it by forget the former things do not dwell on the past let me make sure it is unequivocally clear 2021 is gone 2022 is here Let's embrace the newness that is here. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold. Behold means to look. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. When? Now. Right now. It's starting now. Shall ye not know it? Now there's a question mark at the end of shall ye not know it. So the question is to you. 
I am definitely going to do a new thing, but are you going to see it? I'm going to do a new thing in 2022, but are you going to partake on it? I'm unequivocally going to do a new thing because I'm asking you to look at it. But the question is, shall you know it? Are you going to, and not every Christian is going to know it because of what we talked about in the previous thing. They're not always going to put the most worthy one first. They're not always going to put the most willing one first. They're going to put everything else in front of God. So they may not see the new, but you need to focus on new is coming for you. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So this is what that also shows to us is that the new doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed. But what I will do, I will step into the dry places and fix it. So Corona may not just up and disappear in January 2022. New variants may come out, but what God will do for us, he will make a way in the wilderness. He'll make rivers in the desert. We will always be able to find the newness of life because we are centering in on what? Embracing this word. What word? God is never wavering. Actually, let's just go back to it so we know for sure. We're embracing this word that God is not ever raving to us. Therefore, we don't have to worry. We're not ever going to worry. Now, when we say not ever worry, what we're human, we're going to worry. But what we're saying, we're not going to allow worry to overtake us. So so you you need to bounce back from that worry spirit. But you also need to try to focus, try to not get into the habit of worrying because of what you know about God. Because no one else is worthy. And, and here's one of the reasons why you don't want to worry, because what worry does, it focuses your attention on the problem, but your problem isn't as worthy as God. So the way to get out of worry is to focus the attention that's on the problem to the attention that's on the solution, which is God, because no one else is worthy. Also, no one else is willing. No one else is willing to get you out of the stuff that you got in on your own. All right, let's go. Uh, I'm skipping skipping a verse let's go to this how do we get to this new and then this is where we jump to a different chapter and here it was hebrews 12 and 1 i'll enlarge it wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses now i, I will pause and speak on that for a second uh in this particular verse it's talking about hebrews chapter 11 it's talking about they call that the hall of faith and that, that, that there were so many witnesses. But remember, I just told us that we are witnesses. So we are witnesses to each other. We don't have to just look in the Bible to find witnesses. Right here in uh, this building, I have people in the building, not just the ones online, the people in the building. I've seen them go through stuff. I mean, real stuff in 2021. And here they are again, learning and studying from the word. They are witnesses to the rest of Deliverance Temple. Somebody will say, well, who? tell me who in the building. That ain't none of your business. You need to come in the building if you want to see. But they are people who have gone through things, and they are, they are witnesses. So it's not just the people in the Bible that are witnesses. It's not just the Abrahams and the Davids and the Pauls, but it's the Andres. 
It's the yous. When you stand up, those of you who are online, it, it, you become the witnesses as well. So seeing we are compassed, let's go back to the scripture. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So that was our final point. No extra weight. So here's the focus of that is that when we see all these other people around us and they're all pushing forward, it's very interesting. It doesn't start off by talking about the sin. It says, let's lay aside the weight because it's usually the weights that'll get us into the sins. And then let us run this race with patience. We are, this is a long distance race. This is not a sprint. This is long distance. We don't want any extra weight because we're trying to embrace the new. We're not here to sprinkle magic dust and say 2022 is going to fulfill all our dreams. We don't know what is headed. All we know is there's newness and we need to embrace it, but we can't embrace it with the old hanging on to us. So what we needed to learn from the previous years, we need to learn it. We need to shed those things because as we shed those things, those will help us with the sins that we sometimes find ourselves entrapped into. And that's going to help us to be what we need to be. So no extra weight. And I shared this on Sunday is that that is actually what I woke up with was no extra weight. And I heard it a couple times in my spirit, about three times. And on the third time, it dawned on me that no extra weight actually spelled new when you broke it down. So that's how I begin to craft this message. I actually started from the bottom and worked it all the way up to the top. So no extra weight. That's all we need to do is have no extra weight. In order to get there, let's look at this final scripture. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God set down at the right hand of God. When you're seated, you are at rest. The reason why Jesus was at rest, because it is finished. He said, it is finished. The work was finished. So we look at the finished work of Christ. That's how we navigate. That's how we embrace. And that's how we believe our newness will be. And we will be okay. The God that sent his son to die for us is walking with us in everything. And so it's okay for us to be excited about what is new. I see that. I like that comment. Uh, Pull that comment up. No extra weight new. So let us remember that. And so what we did on Sunday, we we actually went into a time of uh, communion. And so we've already done that. And we're going to be doing that every first Sunday. Because the communion, it just reminds us. It's just a symbol. Communion, baptism, those sacraments, they're sacred, but they're symbols of what has already taken place. So we do those symbols to be reminded of what God is doing. All right, that's going to bring us to a close. And I'm so grateful to have us back in Bible study. When uh, I'm not doing the Bible study, it gives me extra time for myself, but I do miss it. I miss coming back and teaching you and regurgitating the word we went over on Sunday and I have more time to dig into it and and give us tools and things. So I'm so grateful to do that. Let's bow our heads and let's uh, pray.
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, and we honor you. You are the great, awesome, mighty God, and for that we give you thanks and praise. God, we want this newness. We want it, what you have for us. We don't want to fear. We don't want to worry. We don't want to go through all those other things you have allowed me to teach the people, and at the end of the day, we don't want to have any extra weight added to us. We want to move into 2022 and be the witnesses you've called us to be. Because in these seasons and these times, these are the best times for the light of God to shine. And we want to be the light of God. So, God, we pray for those who may not know you the way they need to, may be in backslidden conditions. We pray that you would save them and reclaim the backsliders, reclaim the lost. And we thank you for doing so. Do it through our ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. I would be remiss if I didn't say this to, to Bible study, even though we're like already in the fifth day of the year. But I do have to say it one more time. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you all. And God bless you. God bless you very much. We appreciate you. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Tell somebody what you learned. We love you dearly. Blessings to you.